Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Um, and we've been doing this, this series, uh, Angels Don't Have Wings, and we've been talking about things that we believe, that sometimes we believe are scripture um, that aren't or maybe sound like scripture that, uh, that we need to get the right adjustment. And here's what I found um, in my life, and, and I hope that you found in your life, and if you haven't yet, let me, let me trust that this will happen, is that the scripture, the word of God, the Bible, is truth, and truth will transform your life. And if it's not truth, it can't transform your life. Sometimes we wonder why we use scriptures. Well, it's because God says that he would put power on scriptures. He doesn't put power on non-scriptures. So we need to make sure that what we're understanding, what we're believing, what we're speaking to our world is actually what scripture is speaking to our world. Otherwise, we're trying to, we're trying to get power out of something that's powerless. You know, it's like having a, a, a power drill without the battery in it. You know, sure, it's a drill, but without the battery, you've, met, you've missed the source on it. And I'm a person that needs the power that the battery of Scripture will bring into my life. I'm a person that needs the power of what worship will bring to my life. I'm a person who needs the power of what God will bring to my life. Otherwise, I'm just a tool without power. And we have too many Christians that are okay with being a tool with no power. But Christ actually called us to be a tool with power. We were designed with a purpose. Do you want to live your life as a drill without a battery in it? Having a purpose, having something that could be effective, having something that could transform some people's world, having something that could do something, but without the power, it never reaches the potential that it has. You have a purpose. You have a purpose in this life. You have a purpose in this church. You have a purpose in your family. You have a purpose as a parent. You have a purpose as a spouse. You have a purpose as a child. You have a purpose that you are uniquely designed for. And there's no one else who fills that hole. You were designed on purpose for a purpose. And God wants to see you move in that. I, I, I want to encourage you maybe in this moment that we as a church are a church that believes in people being proactively a part of it. If you're in our church, I'd love to have you serving. And I will probably say that. No, I will say that the whole time we have this church. Because I actually believe that that is a part of the Christian faith. The Christian faith is go and make disciples, which means everyone is meant to be a disciple maker and be discipled. You should have an environment where people are honing and and refining you, and you should have an environment where you are helping hone and refine people. Immediately, you're going to say, I'm unqualified. You're right. So are we. You get qualified by doing. My kids, when we bake something, mess up everything. And they learn because we do it. Too many people are waiting to know while they're on the sidelines and never really operating in the things that they have for you. The gifts that God gives you, operate in them. You're going to fail. But that's how you're going to refine the gifts that God gave you. You have a purpose, and I want to see you fulfill it. And please hear um, in this is when I say I'd love to see each and every one of you serving in the church, it's not because we can't get the stuff done without you. It's because you can't reach your purpose without doing something. I am unfortunately very capable, which means I can do a lot of these things. Alex is also very capable. Taylor, very capable. Sean is amazingly capable. Beth, all of these people are very capable. We have capable people, but we'd rather be doing it together and reaching all of our potential. Because do you want to be in a church where one person reached their potential? 
Or do you want to be in a church where you are honed to be able to reach the potential that God has for you? Because there's people uniquely designed in this city that you can reach, that I will never reach, that Pastor Kimberly will never reach. There's people that Allie will reach that Taylor won't reach. There's people that Tyler will reach that Neil won't reach. Because we're all called to a sphere. And it may be one person that God's called you to reach. But the Bible says that uh, if there was 100 sheep and 99 were okay and one wasn't, that God would go to the one. So if your whole life purpose is to reach the one, it is a purpose worth living for. Uh, so we're, we're I, I don't know, I just feel like I'm not, um, not preaching a message yet here at all, but um, I just feel like um, maybe I'll get to the message, who knows. Here's, I just feel like, so can I just pastor for a moment? Is that all right? Some of you said no, but you're stuck in your seats anyway, so it's great. Is, um, uh, I, I was, this week, this week I was uh, in the space here, um, and I was working, and someone came in unexpectedly. It was an electrician. He was coming to install something. He asked me, um, he asked me what, what this space was. I was like, it's a church. You wrote on the code, church door, but okay, <laughs> it's a church. He's like, well, another church in Vernon? I'm like, yeah, there's about 60 of them. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. For every church building in Vernon, there's usually two churches meeting in it. He's like, well, what's different about your church? I was like, well, what do you know about church? He's like, well, I've read some books. Turns out he goes to church and he's a worship leader, so he was just lying to me. Um, <clears throat> sinner. <laughs> but I, I, want to, I want to make sure that we encourage something here, is that we truly believe that there are people in this city that will not encounter Jesus if we don't exist. That's what we believe. You know, when people ask why another church, I just, I just truly believe that there's people in the city that won't find Jesus if we're not here, which does mean that we can't then just be like every other place. Um, I'm often um, grieved. I'm often grieved when people come into our church um, and they, they, they come into our church and they've come from another church background. And then I ask them to do something that they never did in their church background before. And they've come into our church because they've been looking for something different than what they've had but they want to do the same thing that they've always done. Right. And there's a problem with that. You can't get a different result by doing the same thing that you've already done. So in this church, you're going to be asked to participate in ways that you're not used to participating. But I promise you, it's going to get you to a refined spot that God wants to take you for the purpose that God has for you. Because we're designed to be something specific for this city. I love that song that we were singing about that this city would become yours. I don't want those to be words that are nice to sing on a Sunday. I want us to be a people that are impacting our city. I want us to be a people that could tell each other every Sunday who we tried to invite this week. Because honestly, when's the last time, if you've been in church for a long time, when's the last time that you invited someone to church? Because it becomes a comfortable zone. It becomes a, a zone where it feeds me. But actually, we're not called to just be fed. We're called to feed. We're called to 
gain from Christ so that we can output into other people's lives. You are given so that you can give. You are healed so you can see healing. You are given a word from God so you can release your revelation. If you hear a revelation from God, we use that term sometimes. That means like hearing something from God. You're reading in the Bible and something just highlights to you and it's like it stands out as though God was speaking to you, not verbally, but speaking to you. Do you know what you're called to do with that revelation? To share it. That's what you're called to do with that revelation. Do you remember the story of the, the, three ta- or the, the three men with talents? They had five talents, three talents, and one talent. And the one man who was called wicked was the one who did nothing with what he had. God is never calling us to do things that are beyond our capability, but God is 100%, hear this very clearly, 100% calling us to do something. With what you have, God can do something. If I want to see what God's power is in my life, I want to see what God's power is in this city, it requires me to do something because God works in people. I think God made a horrible decision of how he was going to work on the earth. He chose people. Like, God, it'd be a lot quicker. You think this as well. I think this all the time when I'm doing projects. It would be a lot quicker if this person didn't try to help me. I know you're here, and, and I think it's moral support, but it's really taken a lot longer, and it's really broken a lot more. You know, Everett, my, t- my two-year-old, he likes to help. I'm not sure I like him helping. Yet this is what God's done. He's brought us as the two-year-olds to come and help him because he wants to refine and define something in us that cannot be done another way. You will never see what it is to see people healed unless you pray for someone to get healed. And you know what? When you pray for someone to get healed, some of them won't get healed. You know what? You will never see your, your friend who needs Jesus come into a place where they know Jesus unless you invite them to know Jesus, invite them to come into the church, into a place where they can meet Jesus. And you know what? Some of them will say no. But some of them will say yes. And if we always use the fear of someone saying no to us to keep us from the place of inviting them, then we'll never be in the space where we see them say yes. Now we are called to a place to see people encounter Jesus because I cannot change your life, but Jesus can change your life. Jesus can transform your life in a powerful way, in a real way, in a way that does not just last for a moment, but lasts for a lifetime. A way that transforms not just an individual, but transforms a family. A way that transforms things that have brought down from a family line and breaks them in that moment. Jesus has the power to break things that people tell you are impossible. Amen. Things that people tell you will always be this way. God's not afraid of when people say, it will always be this way. It will never change. This is just how your family is. This is just how your life will be. God is not afraid to move in the impossibilities, but he's looking for someone who will move in the possibility that they have so that he can move in the impossibility that he wants to move in. That's the first time I've been booed in church. Or were they mooing? Were they mooing or booing? Mooing. Well, you can choose for yourself. How many, how many of you want to see, um, you want to see a, a, a church in a place where people are alive, where people are real, where God is valued, 
not just relegated to the side, which often seems to happen, where the, the truth of Scripture is still what we believe as the truth of Scripture, where passion is not weakness, where people can come in whatever way they are. This is what I want to see in this city. And I, I, I just think that sometimes from week to week, it can get too easy to forget what we're here for. We can get a, a building where the seats are already here, and it's too easy to, to think that. But no, we're, we're called on mission here. Um, and it won't be for everyone, and that's okay. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but, but I want you to be clear, and I want to be as clear as I can here today in, in a pastoral moment that that is what we are. That is what we're called here for. If anything, that's what I took away from my time away for the last two weeks was like, right, we came here to, to, to build a church. Yeah. It's interesting. It's the only thing that Jesus in Scripture says he will build is his church. And so often people are trying to build things in the name of Jesus that Jesus isn't trying to build. Jesus said he'd build his church. And that's why we believe that the local church is the hope of, uh, of, uh, of people. That this is the hope. That Jesus is the hope and his local church is what he builds. Um, I'm going to share very, very briefly, maybe, um, this, this message. And it, it's, it's on these two statements that we uh, sometimes attribute to Scripture or think of, and we want to know what the truth of them is. The first is this, this too shall pass, and the second is time <clears throat> heals all wounds. How many of you heard those? This too shall pass, time heals all wounds. Yeah. You know, the last time I preached in this series was also around a very similar uh, thread, and it seems like all of these statements always come around grief or these, these moments in our life that we're really hoping would be over. Have you ever been in a season where you're like, God, can I get onto the other side now? Like, I know you're, that you're doing wonderful things in this season. I just don't see it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a season, right, God? It's not a lifetime. Um, and this is, these are these statements. It's interesting as I was studying uh, This Too Shall Pass that um, there's, a, there's a lot of folklore about where it's uh, originated from. There's folklore that it originated from King Solomon, who's a, uh, uh, um, the son of David. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. So there's some folklore that this is this is part of how he um, that he that he used this term. You know, it's not a scripture thing, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. And this too shall pass is a really great feeling to remind us that in every moment that something will change. And and there's some truth to this, right? There's some truth to the fact that the moment that you're in right now may look different than uh, the moment to come. And I want to read this scripture in Ecclesiastes three, uh, starting in verse one. It says, "For everything there is a season. Everyone say season." <coughs> A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. <clears throat> this is Solomon. He writes this scripture and he's telling us that there are seasons in your life. Right now, you are in a season. Did you know that? I don't know what the season is. Might be a good season. Might be a bad season. Might feel like this season has been three or four years long. But we, we luckily, in our part of the world, we live in North America. We get four seasons in a year. Some 
places like deserts get a season for a year. A little different. And there's always this interesting thing to me about the concept of seasons. And I don't know if you've encountered this with your walk with God, but I've encountered it more and more, is the reality that every season that you're in requires something of you that is necessary for the next season. Have you ever been in this moment where, you, where you're walking with God, where, where you're, you're doing something? And, and I've been in this moment far too many times to admit, where I, I get to this moment and I'm, and, I, you know, and I'm in this season where I'm like, this is horrible. God, I want to get to the other side. Then I get to the other side and I suddenly realize that I didn't prepare myself in that season to be ready in this moment. There's a scripture uh, in the New Testament that says, uh, in every season, be ready. In every season, be ready to preach the gospel. In every season. It's an amazing thought that there is a season, yet I need to be ready for what it is in that season. You know, wintertime has a very different uh, 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 necessity for the earth than summer does. Have you ever seen those, um, what are they called, cookies, tree cookies? Tree cookies? No, tree tree cakes, tree, they're cut out of a, of, of a tree, and you can see the rings of the tree. <clears throat> they're probably not called cookies, this is the problem. A tree round, and you can, you can measure the years, you can measure the years of a tree, okay? Tree cookie. You know, it has rings, it has dark rings for the winter, and it has light rings for the summer. And the light rings always grow more, and the dark rings always grow less. But the dark rings create strength for the growth of the increase. And the tree needs the winter to grow strong so that in the summer it can grow fast. Have you ever been in a spot where you realize you get to this season and you realize I never grew strong there to be able to grow fast now? Have you ever seen a house be built before? And, and I, I, love, uh, I used to love architecture and, and buildings, so when I lived in... Um, uh, you know, this is years ago, but when I lived in different cities, I would drive to where something was being built to see the progress of the building. You know, you'd see, and they would be digging the ground, and it would be these long weeks of digging the ground. They'd pour these foundations, and there would be these moments where suddenly everything seemed to just, like, show up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all these moments of, of weeks of weeks of it looks like, did they do anything? Yeah. If you've ever done a renovation on your house, it's a pain point. I'm sorry. That season's over for you. But did they do anything? And then there's these moments where it's like, did they just do everything? But did you know the moments of doing anything were required to get to the point that you could do everything? There's a season that you are in in your life that's required for you to get what God is doing for you now, and it never makes sense why now, but it always makes sense why then. And I want to ask you to consider this, that yes, this too shall pass, may tell you that this season may be moving from this point to another season. But in the season that you're in, do you know what God is speaking to you and what you are called to do now so that when you are in the next season, you're ready for it? Because God builds precept upon precept, Scripture says. There's foundations that we need to get so that we can build upon those foundations. I've heard this said before that... Um, uh, Overnight successes are rarely overnight successes. To the world, they look like an overnight success. 
Have you ever heard the story of the Beatles? Known as a, a famous band around the world. But you know the story that they would play every week in a bar, unknown, eight hours for no pay, every week. Suddenly an overnight success that had been playing together for thousands of hours. You're in a season right now so God can prepare you for the season he's taking you into. The season of glamour never looks the same as the other season. I was reading the other day, maybe it was this morning or yesterday, about David. And David, we know this amazing season for David. David slays Goliath. He is an overnight success. He comes down, his brothers don't want him there, but he comes down, he, he, he throws the sling, he hits Goliath in the head, Goliath dies, and then they chop his head off, which isn't in this, the C3 Kids version, but in this version, his head gets chopped off. His head gets chopped off, and David is an overnight success because he has saved the Israelite people from the Phil Philistines. But if you look in the scripture just a little bit before that, when Saul the king says, well, you can't do it, he says to him, well, no, I've been watching my dad's sheep, and I've killed a lion, and I've killed a bear. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine that I can't see God's power in this? The overnight success of David with Goliath does not exist without the killing of the lion and the bear in private. You are in a season that God is asking for you to fulfill in this season so you can be ready for what's next in the next season. Have you heard this saying before? This too shall pass. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. I've never had kidney stones, so it doesn't make me cry to say that. This too shall pass. Time heals all wounds. I was thinking about this um, statement, and I, I think these statements, they come, from, they, they come from our human condition of trying to have an answer for the things that we can't have answers for. I, you know, let me encourage you, when you don't know what to say, not to say things. That's what it says in Proverbs. The fool looks smart until he opens his mouth. If you don't know what to say, don't say things. Don't fill the silence with space. But be there. When things are going on in people's world, you don't have to have the right words to say because you don't have the right words to say. But people don't remember what you say unless it's wrong. They remember that you're present. When you don't know what to say, show up and say nothing. But these statements, they come from these, these desire to have a, a, a human answer to the unanswerable. They come from this desire to be able to express something that is inexpressible in a lot of ways. Um, and, and they feel good. It doesn't make them wrong, but they feel good. It feels good to think that this too shall pass. But sometimes the seasons are very long. And sometimes the way they pass isn't the way you hope they'd pass. Sometimes the, the switch for seasons is different. When the, the writer Ecclesiastes, when Solomon says it's for everything there's a season, time for every activity under heaven, it's time to be born. Amazing. 
And then there's a season change, a time to die. Well, yes, this too shall pass. Not everything that passes is passes in a way that we want it to, but yes, it does pass. Time heals all wounds. I, I, I like this, this statement that tells me that wounds will be healed, but when I think about the reality in my life, and I've had a few times where um, I've cut myself. One time I was with my brother. He had a, um, many of you don't know my brother, which is probably good. Um, <laughs> for the story, good for the story. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, he was, I think he was getting married and he had a storage unit. And uh, my brother's a bit, uh, he's, he's got some things he's really great at. And then there's everything else. Um, and we were at this storage unit, and he asked me, he, he lost the lock for the storage unit. So we got bolt cutters from the storage unit place. He's like, can you hold the lock while I cut with the bolt cutters? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but as the good younger brother, I held the lock. And I've got this brilliant scar right here where the bolt cutters slipped and sliced um, my knuckle. His wife happened to have burned me the very week prior just beside that. I was... I was, you know, tortured youth. Um, but, you know, um, you know there's, there's wounds that you have, and they may heal over, but they don't heal over the same. They scar. And I think this idea that time heals all wounds, I think it, it, it sits under this fatal flaw that time is the only ingredient that's healing the wounds. I've not found in my life that time is the exclusive ingredient to healing wounds. If you get a scar, I've cracked my head open a couple times. Again, troubled youth. No, it was all all in church. Church, cracked my head open. No, I don't remember. Um, But I cracked my head open, and uh, you know, as soon as you do that, uh, they take you to the hospital or the clinic, and they stitch you up. And when they stitch you up, it closes the wound so that the scar, although it still exists, is less. And sometimes when we say time heals all wounds, we're saying, yeah, okay, I've got this gash here, and I'm just going to let it, let it heal itself. And it does heal over, but its scar is significantly worse than it ever had to. I, I think when I think about time heals all wounds, I'm immediately taken to this scripture when Peter's asking Jesus how often and how much he's meant to forgive people. Because, you know, I've had people that I've forgiven, and it still hurts, and I think, well, time will change that. A year goes by, two years goes by, three years goes by. I've forgiven them, but then why does it still hurt? Peter asks Jesus in Matthew 18, 21 to 22, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Peter, being the elitist, the, the, the one who knew the answers, says, well, seven times, seven, the number of perfection. If I've forgiven him seven times, I've done the perfect number of forgiveness. That's what the number seven means in Scripture. Jesus replies, no, not seven times. If I'm Peter, I'm like, great, I only wanted to do it two times. I was just I was giving you an ex- excess number so you could tell me that I'm pretty good, but two times all it really has to be. Jesus replied, but 70 times 7. How many of you know, for some of you, to get from season A to season B is going to take you forgiving someone 70 times 7 times? It's going to take you waking up in the morning, going through the Lord's Prayer, forgive them 
Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive the... Oh, but not them, God. Well, but wait, you're saying that I want to be forgiven in the same way that I'm willing to forgive someone else? Time is an ingredient to healing wounds. But I promise you, forgiveness is a greater one. I encourage you as individuals to build the muscle of forgiveness. Every once in a while I get to do weddings and uh, a phrase that I like to use in my message on weddings is, um, and my wife's looking at me because I use it and she's like, why aren't you good at this? Um, But I said, make it a competition to be the first one to forgive. Be the quickest to forgive in your relationship. Because how many times are the things that you're trying to get forgiveness or give forgiveness about now or the things that are still unresolved hurts from here? How is it that those things just seem to creep up every now and again? You know, you've never been in a disagreement with someone before and you're talking about this thing, but suddenly you're talking about that thing over there and you're trying to figure out why this thing has this thing that you thought was resolved But forgiveness takes a constant, continual approach because time in itself will not heal wounds. Without forgiveness, time can, instead of healing, produce bitterness, resentment, trust issues. Time is often necessary for some of our healing, but I would like to think of it, if you could visually, as the gash in the arm that's left unattended to Yes, at some point, perhaps, that scar will go across, but it'll be so much more significant in your story. You're going to have to deal with putting antibiotics, or if you're not putting antibiotics, you'd have to deal with infections coming because you just thought time was sufficient. My inactivity in this would heal the wound. But no, let me tell you, your activity is a necessity to healing this. Your activity paired with Jesus' response in it is a necessity to get those wounds together. Time is a... A sad, sad replacement for Jesus and forgiveness. And there's too many people who've been told time will heal the wound, and they're wondering why they're still wounded after 20 years, 30 years. It's really unpopular to tell someone who was wounded 20, 30 years ago of something significant, to tell them that like, hey, this, the, the way that you're going to get breakthrough, the way that you're going to get through the other side, the way that that wound is going to come close together is really going to take a sacrifice from you to say, I forgive you. But do you know what they did? I know what they did, but that's not holding you back what they did anymore. It's you not releasing them and releasing yourself in it. Each and every one of us have something often that we need to forgive. It might be something that happened this morning. It might be something that happened 20 decades ago, and you might have to forgive it 20 decades ago. That, that was a, maybe not 20 years ago. <laughs> but maybe it's something you have to say, I forgive, I forgive every day. The Lord's Prayer, I love when Jesus' disciples asked him how to pray and he responded, you pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Wait, I have to trust God today for today? And that means then I have to trust God tomorrow for tomorrow. Do you know how many times I would like God to give me today what I want next week? 
Every day. I would like that. But he says, give us this day, our daily bread. Right. right. Because if I can trust you today, you'll show me that I can trust you tomorrow. Yes. And if I don't learn to trust you today, I'll think that I've got it handled tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I was listening to someone one time and they just said, every time they say that prayer, they're reminded of people. They're like, oh, but I thought I forgave them. But they're coming up again. You know, it's that person you walk on the other side of the street when you see them coming down. You turn around in the mall. <laughs> you walk in the mall. Oh, did they see me? You change your shirt so they can't... You get what I'm saying. Or it's the person sleeping in the bed beside you. The person waking up and making you coffee. That you're coasting. It's like a wound has sort of healed. But still, you're withholding, and the scar is still present. Time is an ingredient to our healing. Because some are quick and some are slow. It's just not the only ingredient our healing. This too shall pass. Time heals all wounds. These are wonderful statements that we like, but let us not use them alone without missing and recognizing the importance in it. Whatever season you're in, recognize, please, that God is wanting to do something in you that can produce something in the next season. And maybe it's this. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Everyone wants to rejoice, right? It's great. For we know they help us develop endurance. How do you develop endurance? Trials and problems. I want to be an enduring individual. And I want no trials and no problems. But how do you produce endurance? Trials and problems. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. This season right now may simply be problems and trials, but it is producing in you endurance that is necessary for the development of strength of character, which is necessary to have confidence in the hope of salvation. The hope that Christ is sufficient. And we live in a world that tries to find hope in so many things that falls apart. Hope does not have any foundation except for the simple foundation of Christ's salvation alone. Sometimes we go through trials and problems so that our revelation can be more than a scriptural understanding, but it can be based on a firm foundation. The things you believe about God will transform how you act on his behalf. And sometimes it's very painful to get to the place that you can speak on his behalf. Some of the stories that each and every one of you have have cost you much. But it's that story that gives you the platform to speak into other people's lives of the hope of salvation. Vernon is a city that needs to know the hope of salvation. 
Your neighbor is a person who needs to know the hope of salvation. Your spouse who's unbelieving needs, needs to be a person who hears of the hope of salvation. Your children need to hear the hope of salvation. Their, their, their uh, uh, students that they are with need to hear the hope of salvation. The teachers that your students are with, they need to hear the hope of salvation. The, the employer that you work through needs to hear the hope of salvation. And you might say that you're unqualified, but I'm telling you, you're all unqualified. But Jesus is qualified enough for us. And if we would only take that little step of faith to believe that, God, if you, if you would just meet me when I pray with this person, if you would just give me the courage to say, hey, maybe do you want to go to church? Hey, would you come for dinner? I'm going to have some friends over from church. Hey, would it, would it maybe you'd be all right if I prayed for your, your brother who's, who's dying of this? Maybe if we would just step out in faith, we'd see that our God is powerful that he gave us an infilling of the Holy Spirit full of love, not to leave us alone because yes, we're unqualified, but God is qualified. In this season, God is doing something to refine in you, to develop in you what is necessary for the next season. Man, I'm not very old. I recognize that. My life experience is a certain amount and it's different than so many others in this room. But at 33, having lived in three different cities, married for almost 11 years, three kids, I look back and I see some painful seasons that God took me in. And I hate them. Until I look and I realize, wait, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here and be able to stand on the confidence of what God could take me through. You want God to be provider? You need to be in need of provision. You want God to be healer? You need to be in a place where you can see God as healer. You want to see that the church is the bride of Christ? You need to give yourself vulnerability to see that the church is accepting of that vulnerability. You want to know that relationships will sharpen you? <laughs> iron sharpens iron. That means things are coming off of you relationship that you will stand by when things get stripped from you is a relationship you should stand by. What good is a relationship that does not refine you? What good is it to live in a world of people who are just comfortable with you being as you are? I'm, I'm comfortable with where you are, but I really want to see what God wants to do with you. I want to see God releasing you the truth of what is. I want to see God break off the things that are not meant to be a part of you, things that have stuck on you that aren't you so that we can find the purity of what God designed in you. This season may be painful, this season may be pleasant, but God's asking for you to do something in this season. And if this season is, is painful, if this season is unpleasant, if this season doesn't feel very godly to you at the moment, please don't buy into the idea that time in itself will heal the wound that you have. Time may be an ingredient, but it's not the greatest ingredient. And you may even be offended by me telling you that you should forgive whatever's holding you back right now. Well, just be offended at what Jesus is saying instead. He said 70 times 7. He didn't say whether it was a good thing, whether they meant for it, whether it was an accident, whether it was on purpose, whether it damaged uh, your relationship, whether it damaged your family, whether it damaged your finances, whether it was, he didn't say any of that. He just said 70 times seven. And it's on this premise that, that I believe that God is strong enough to forgive me. Therefore, I'm strong enough to forgive others. 
Because what you might have to forgive of someone else might be great. But I feel like God's forgiven something pretty great for me. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca. 